I am Fidel Nshombo. I was born in a city called the Bukavu in the Congo. We were a loving family. And then, boom, everything that I had disappeared in a single day. People think that when you are a refugee and they resettle you to America, and all your problems are done. They don't understand that that's the beginning of everything. I was not born a refugee. I was made one. It's time we welcome refugee families with open arms. Learn more at EmbraceRefugees.org, brought to you by the Ad Council. Hey now, what up though? Jay Scott Smith here, the host of the People's Podcast, JSC Radio. And you might be wondering why I call it the People's Podcast. Well, I've got a brand new reason for me to call it the People's Podcast, because I'm putting the future of this show into your hands. This show is now on Patreon, and what Patreon is, is going to help you the JSC Radio listener, the JSC Radio follower and fan contribute to the show in whatever way you see fit. That's right, looking for people to help keep this show moving. Whether you want to donate $1 an episode, hell, $1 a month for $5 per episode, I'll shout you out on this show and you'll even be able to vote on exclusive polls and exclusive half episodes that's right jsc exclusives you'll get to hear those half episodes before anyone else for ten dollars or more per episode now it gets fun because you get to be a sponsor on this show you got a business you want me to talk about it i want you to sponsor my show for ten dollars hit me up send me the script i'm putting you over plus you get all the other cool stuff that comes with it an episode, same thing applies, except this time you will become an official segment sponsor. Do you want a segment of this show sponsored by your business? Of course you do. That's why you want to hit me up on Patreon. For more information on how to become a sponsor of JSC Radio, go to patreon.com slash JSC Radio. Patreon.com slash JSC Radio, and you can truly help this become the People's Podcast. This is JSC Radio. I'm not going to sit here and try to put up this front that I really think Atlanta is going to win this. Of course, I'm sitting here saying this and watch Atlanta go beat the brakes off the Patriots. I just have a hard time picturing Atlanta getting that W. So I am going to go toward the Patriots. And I'm going to do that begrudgingly. Because I want to see the Patriots get the shit kicked out of them. Second down and one, in the gun is the quarterback, Ryan. A four-man defensive front for the Patriots. Jones in motion. Freeman at the side of Ryan, gets the snap, hands off. And here comes Freeman, running laterally. He goes over the tackle, the five, runs to the far pylon, dives and falls into the end zone. Touchdown, Atlanta! On the 19-yard line of New England, Ryan in the gun, looks into the nickel. Third down and nine, shotgun snap, drops back five, got a block from the left tackle, line drive pass back to the end zone, caught on a dive by the tight end, Hooper in the back of the end zone, he beat Chung, who is draped all over him, but a flag has been thrown, it was a 19-yard touchdown throw. Brady with his arms outstretched, from the 23 of the Falcons, shotgun snap, hit as he throws, short pass, it's intercepted, it's picked off by Alford, he caught it both high 20, near side 30, he broke a tackle 40, down the sideline 50, 40, 30 on the near side, line 20 10 5 he walks into the end zone touchdown Atlanta because I want to see the Patriots get the shit kicked off it's a first and goal at the six 
in the shotgun Ryan four in the defensive line for New England shotgun snap back pedals throws a short pass it's caught by Coleman over the shoulder five far sideline runs inside the pylon touchdown he beat Minkovich to the end zone six yard touchdown pass the second tonight for Ryan and Atlanta is running away midway through the third quarter 27-3 over New England New England New England New England New England New England Patriots probably the best damn team in the NFL by a mile. And Brady's the best damn quarterback of my lifetime. They're likely going to win that Super Bowl, but that doesn't mean I'm going to like it. New England, New England, New England, New England, New England. Brady is in the shotgun formation with three wide and Edelman in motion in a four-man front. He drops back after the shotgun snap. It's a belt high throw to the far side. Caught by White, spins and drives on the far sideline. Touchdown. Five-yard touchdown pass by Tom Brady. They edge closer, 28-9. On the seven of the Falcons, Brady's second down and three in the gun and five wide. Five in the secondary for the Falcons. Four in the defensive line. Hands on the turf, they'll come charging. There's the shotgun snap to Brady. Line drive throw, goal line diving catch, belt high touchdown, Amendola! On the near side, pinpoint seven-yard touchdown pass by Tom Brady. Uh-oh. To Danny Amendola. 5.56 to go. It's 28-18 with Atlanta on top by 10. Patriots will try for two, and New England is back in business. From the two, two-point try. Brady in the gun. White, the running back, will join Brady. Off to his left hip. He surveys the four-man front. He's got Edelman in motion. High snap, and it goes on a direct snap, and it goes right to White, who takes it over the center and crosses the goal line. And the two-point conversion for New England on the direct snap to James White. Now we've got ourselves a ball game. Brady is by himself in the shotgun. Five wide, four in the defensive line for Atlanta. From the New England 36, shotgun snap on first and 10. Brady rears back, line drive throw. It's deflected, it's up in the air. Edelman was diving for it near the 40-yard line. There is a fight for the ball. Edelman has come up with the ball. Uh -oh. Edelman has come up with the ball on a deflected ball. It was bad in the air. It's a 23-yard pickup. Batted by Alford, a diving reception by Edelman. Brady is under center, inside the one. Five on the line, Brady gets the snap, spins, hands off White, knifes in, touchdown! New England, one yard touchdown, White, between the center and the guard. It's a two point game with 57 seconds remaining. Final score in the Super Bowl, Patriots 31, Falcons 28. God, I hope I'm wrong. Brady breaks huddle at the two of Atlanta. Four-man front, single back, Brady under center, two wide near side. Edelman in motion. Brady gets the snap, pitches out white, gets a block, cuts inside. He digs, he turns, he dives. It is a touchdown! It is a touchdown! New England wins! The Patriots have won Super Bowl 51 in the greatest comeback in Super Bowl history. Scoring 31 unanswered points. Damn! The New England Patriots have won their fifth Super Bowl. And Tom Brady stands alone in NFL history. Check it out. This is JSC Radio. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> what? Seriously. 
that happened. Much thanks to our friends at Westwood One, Kevin Harlan and Boomer Esiason on the call from Super Bowl 51. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, hey now. How the hell is everyone doing? My name is Jay Scott Smith, and this is the 30th episode of the People's Podcast. This is JSC Radio. Checking in from the JSC Radio studios here in the city of brotherly love, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And uh, yeah, what you just heard there, the first five minutes of this show... Obviously, you know what we're talking about today. Let me get a little housekeeping out of the way first. I want to thank everybody who's showing love on SoundCloud. That's soundcloud.com slash jscottsmith. You can follow me on Twitter at jscottsmith. You can get at me on iTunes. You can always listen to this show on iTunes. Be sure to follow me on Instagram, which is seemingly the place for all your JSC radio updates. Again, that's Instagram, jscottsmith. Snapchat to jscottsmith. The show is also on podcast.com and, of course, Stitcher Radio. So, damn it. Yeah. You know what we're talking about. You heard it. A game like that needed the right intro. And there was no way I could come on here and sauce you and just play that final play that you just heard. Because to understand what that Super Bowl was, and of course, naturally, the week after I just sat here and said, that I wanted JSC Radio, while it is going to be heavily sports, to branch out into other things, then that happened on Sunday night. By far the most ridiculously exciting yet painful to watch Super Bowl I've ever seen. Ever. Hell, the three best Super Bowls of my lifetime have involved the New England Patriots. There's the Super Bowl where they knocked off the Rams. There's the Super Bowl from two years ago when they beat Seattle and Pete Carroll basically decided, no, I'm not going to use my 240-pound battering ram, Marshawn Lynch, at the goal line. I'm going to catch him slipping and throw a pass into the end zone that gets picked off. And then there was Sunday night. Now, the whole entire narrative was laid out here last week and laid out everywhere else. I'm not going to rehash that. Just the simple experience of that game and the ebbs and the flows of it and the way that game went. In the first half of that game, I looked like a smarmy, smart-ass genius by saying, hey, you heard it in the intro, be just my luck if the Falcons go out there and just beat the brakes off the Patriots. Because for the first, I'd say... 30 34 and a half minutes of that game that's exactly what they did they beat the patriots like they stole something jumped on their ass instantly they got that touchdown and then they just started rolling and you heard it during the intro as well the key play of that first half the moment where i started to think hey look here we might be on to something with this is the interception And that interception by Robert Alford, which looked like at the time that could be the biggest game changer. It could be that moment. That pick six where Brady fires into traffic, 
Alfred jumps the route, steps in front of it. As a guy who played defensive back, ain't nothing better than when a quarterback doesn't see you. You lead his ass into it, and he just puts a cookie right there for you, and you snatch it, and you're gone. He was gone the second he caught that ball. And Brady, realizing that he was the only line of defense with his no speed having ass, running out after Alford, making that futile dive and face planting right on the 40-yard line, completely eating it, while Alford just heads down the sideline to pay dirt, and he takes his sweet time getting from the five into the end zone. Admittedly, I'm one of those cats where it's like, get in the end zone, dude. You never know what's going to happen. But he took his sweet time getting in there, and that is the first point where I thought Atlanta might actually win this. They might actually do this. It was 21 love at that point, and it looked like that was, it was about to get real. Because it, it, it was startling. I said it on Twitter. Remember, at J. Scott Smith. I said it on Twitter. That, that was the first time I had really seen Tom Brady shook. I mean, shook daddy. I'm talking about ain't no such things as halfway crooks. Shook. That's the first time I really saw him like that. He sat on that bench, head in his hands, not sure what the hell to do with himself. Because it's like he was doubting himself for a moment. And let's just be honest. As you're watching Alfred head down that sideline, we're all thinking the same thing. This is the iconic moment. Every Super Bowl that's worth a damn has an iconic moment of some sort. Whether it's the catch by Lynn Swan, whether it's Jackie Jackie Smith dropping the ball in the end zone for the Cowboys back in the 70s, whether it's Scott Norwood missing the field goal for the Buffalo Bills, or Adam Vinatieri making the field goal against the Rams or against the Panthers. It's like there's always that iconic moment. Joe Montana hitting John Taylor in the back of the end zone, or Joe Montana hitting Jerry Rice, or William the Refrigerator Perry instead of, you know, the legendary Hall of Famer Walter Payton punching it in in Super Bowl Twenty in New Orleans against the Patriots. Every Super Bowl has that iconic moment. That pick six, that's what that was. That was supposed to be the iconic moment. It was going to be the main thing that we saw from Super Bowl 51 for the next 20 years. It's what you were going to see pictured in the history books. That photo of Brady attempting to tackle Alfred as he ran down the sideline was set up to be something that was iconic. That picture, that photo, Brady humbled face down on the 40-yard line as Alfred two-stepped on the goal line, that was going to be on every Atlanta rapper's mixtape for the next 10 years. Jeezy and T.I. had bars ready to go. And then the Empire struck back. Atlanta got up 28-3 in the third. And with eight and a half minutes to go in the third quarter of the Super Bowl, Atlanta was up 28-3. And y'all have seen it over and over again the last few days. The biggest deficit ever overcome in a Super Bowl was 10. And it happened three times prior. In 50 previous Super Bowls, mind you, only three times had a team made up a 10-point deficit. Washington made up a 10-point deficit on Denver in 1988. In 2009, the Saints made up a 10-point deficit on the Colts. 
And two years ago, in the aforementioned Patriots-Seahawks Super Bowl, the Pats were down 10 in the fourth and made up that deficit and beat Seattle. It was 28-3. And you know, I spent all year ragging on the Detroit Lions because all they ever did was rely on lingering and lingering and lingering and then making some crazy ass dash to the finish and just barely skating by by the skin of their teeth. This was not one of those kind of games. Down 28-3, eight and a half minutes left. And at one point, Atlanta had the ball up 28-3. And yet, New England pecked away. And see, a thing about a comeback like that is, is that you need everything to break right. From that point forward, everything has to break right. You have to hit. It's almost like you're playing a game of blackjack, and you have to hit each time. Like, each time. Just boom, 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 boom. You have to hit each time and get help. You have to hit each time, and you got to try to do something to mitigate the amount of time Atlanta could have taken off the clock. Patriots end up finally getting the touchdown, got it to 28-9. Goskowski misses the extra point, by the way. That doesn't help a comeback is going doink on an extra point. So what the Patriots needed to do, they end up getting another field goal, get it to 28-12. What the Patriots needed to do was try to find a way to steal a possession. And sure enough, Hightower shoots in there, smashes Matt Ryan, balls out, Patriots have it, and rut row, as I actually tweeted the moment that fumble hit the ground. Uh-oh. Because now what the Patriots have done is they took a possession away. They erased an opportunity for the Falcons to bump that lead up. And then they hand the ball to Tom Brady. And what do they do? Immediately go right into the end zone to Amendola. Then the direct snap to James White. And suddenly a game that was 28-3 is now 28-20. They've made up 17 points of a 25-point lead, including erasing the missed PAT by getting the deuce. So now what do you do? If you're the Atlanta Falcons and you're sitting here like, we got to do anything we can to try to mitigate this. We got to do anything we can to stop essentially what is turning into a legendary gag job, a legendary collapse. They got to get in the end zone. They have to. There's no other way around this. They got to get in the end zone or in the very least get into field goal range. Julio Jones, you know what's crazy? And you know what's so messed up because that damn Tom Brady? Tom Brady basically wiped out two iconic moments. The other iconic moment is that insanity that Julio Jones pulled off. I saw it live, and when he caught it, I could have swore only one foot was in. I didn't even see his other foot come down. I'm thinking, there's no way he's caught that inbounds. And I see the replay, and his foot, which moved like friggin' lightning, tapped down just inbounds. The Falcons are damn near at the 20-yard line. They were 22. They're damn near the 20-yard line. That's lights out. All they got to do is line it up, kick a field goal, get it back up to 11, and get the hell out of there. They got to 28 and got stuck. And instead of doing that, again, these coaches seem to get this bizarre notion that they know better and they're trying to fool somebody. And instead of just turning around, handing the ball off, burning some clock, and getting into field goal range, getting deeper into field goal range, 
They send Ryan back to pass. Sacked. Ryan goes back to pass again. Sacked. Holding penalty when they were able to pick up something. Sacked. All of a sudden, they were sacked all the way out of field goal range. They had to punt, and you know how it all ended. Patriots got it back. Then Julian Edelman does what Julian Edelman friggin' did. I don't even know what the hell you call that thing he did. I'm not sure if you call it a catch. I'm not sure if you call it blind luck. I don't know what they, I don't know whoever you pray to. That, that catch by Edelman, as you heard in the intro, that catch by Edelman, that was the exact moment I knew Atlanta was cooked. That was the football gods finally giving that receipt back to Brady for David Tyree. The Edelman catch, and you think about it because of the team it involved, the Edelman catch, it it was, ironically, this. Little roller up along first, behind the back, it gets through Buckner, here comes Knight and the Mets win it. It was, it was the ball going through Bill Buckner's legs, except... There was no Game 7 for Atlanta to lose. Like, what the hell was that in the fourth quarter? And OT. The first Super Bowl out of 50 previous Super Bowls, none went to overtime. And of course, the one that goes to overtime caps off the most batshit crazy comeback maybe in the history of U.S. sports. I'm dead serious. The reaction to that touchdown. People lost it on social media. People lost it up and down the country. In Atlanta, it's been like a week of mourning. In Boston, they've basically been just dancing in the streets, telling everybody to sit and spin with a beer in one hand and a middle finger up on the other. Here's the final call of that championship play where James White goes into the end zone. First, from WEEI in Boston. James White is set behind Brady. We'll move under center. Trips to the right. Bennett to tight end left. Second and goal to go from the two. Toss sweep right for James White. Cuts it up to the right arm. Cuts it upfield. Driving forward. Diving to the goal line. A touchdown. And a title for the Patriots. I can't believe it. They have completed the greatest comeback in Super Bowl history. Led by the greatest quarterback. Look at Brady. In Super Bowl and NFL annals. One more ring. And a silver trophy is coming back to New England. I love this team. The confetti, the streamers falling from the roof of NRG Stadium. I don't care. They got balls. And when you have balls on the biggest stage, you win championship football games. You think that color guy was just a touch happy? You think he wasn't just a little bit happy? You think Zolak wasn't just a touch happy about that whole thing? He was losing it. Absolutely losing it. And speaking of losing it, here's the call from 92.9 FM in Atlanta. Here's what it sounded like in the Dirty South. Three receivers to the right, and White is the running back. 11.08 to go in the first overtime. They'll toss it to White. Left or right side. White will cut back, and he will get in. Touchdown, New England.
Patriots storm the field. Has won the Super Bowl. See, man, that, that's rough. That's rough. It's tough hearing that. It was tough watching that. And it was tough being a part of that, even if you weren't on the field, even if you weren't in Houston. But I will say this. The call of that, that touchdown was not just here in the States. I admit, I've, I've mocked the NFL for attempting to take this game to places like England, which are bigger into soccer and and cricket than they ever will be into American football. But I stumbled across this. This is the call of that touchdown from the BBC, from BBC Radio, which did broadcast Super Bowl 51. This is the call from BBC. And tell me if this isn't the most delightfully polite championship call you've ever heard. The three receivers for New England. It's a pitch to White. White's running towards the end zone. Is he in? We wait for the signal. Touchdown! The New England Patriots have won Super Bowl 51. And they've come from 28-3 down to win the game in the most remarkable of circumstances. Brady and Belichick do it again. What a Super Bowl. What a performance by the New England Patriots. They've won it by a score of 34 points to 28 I'm telling you, man, look, Atlanta, I feel for you. I do. This is just the latest in a long line of gag jobs. But this is especially epic. For all the foolishness and all the silliness and all the BS where people make fun of the Golden State Warriors for blowing a 3-1 lead because the trolls were still trying to insist the Warriors blowing a 3-1 lead was bigger than this. No, it's not. Teams have been blowing 3-1 leads in playoff series for 40 and 50 years. The NHL has had three different playoff series that were started 3-0 and ended up 4-3 in the other direction. Blowing a 3-1 lead while messed up is not revolutionary. It's happened before. Blowing a 25-point lead, surrendering a 31-0 run over the final 27 minutes of regulation plus the first four minutes of overtime. They gave up a point a minute for the rest of the night. Bruh, you can take your 3-1 jokes and stick them. You blow a 25-point lead in the Super Bowl. When that game was, I won't say it was over. There was never a point on Sunday night, and you can go back through my tweets at Smith. You can go back to those tweets on Sunday. I never tweeted out the words ball game. I will always I know when a game is done. I will tweet out the words ball game or good night y'all. Those words never came across my Twitter feed on Sunday night. Because at 28-3, I sat here and said they got to score one more time, even if it's a field goal. They got to score one more time. Because there's just enough time for some foolishness where the Patriots can make this thing interesting. You know, Seth Davis, the basketball guy from CBS Sports, the college basketball guy, he has this phrase where he simply says, Sharpie, meaning where he knows a team has won 
and he moves it from being in pencil to Sharpie. I had Atlanta penciled in, but I wasn't reaching for that Sharpie. And by the time it got to 28-20, I was running that eraser across Atlanta because they were done. I didn't know what to say. The Patriots, if it weren't for the fact that they're just such an incorrible bunch, especially Brady, especially Belichick, especially Bob Kraft, especially so many of their obnoxious fans. As I, as I mentioned back back when, when Cavaliers won the NBA Finals, how Cavs fans were acting, and back when Cleveland, who also blew a 3-1 lead, lost the World Series. And I mentioned that Cavalier fans and Cleveland fans have become just as obnoxious as Boston fans. Please understand, ain't nobody taking that champion down anytime soon. Boston fans are the worst. There's some damn good people in Boston, but in terms of their fandom, they are the worst. They are the drizzling shits. They are awful. And they have been peaking the last four days. Peaking, I tell you, because you're never going to shut them up. This is a city that somehow went from all the glory of the Celtics winning 16, well, I guess now 17 NBA titles to the agony of the Red Sox and the curse of the Bambino and the aforementioned ball getting through Buckner's legs type of thing. All that to the Red Sox coming from 0-3 down to win a series and winning three world titles. and It's like the one wrong that was left dangling out there for Boston was righted when Julian Edelman snatched the ball from between the legs of some random jamoke from the Atlanta Falcons in the fourth quarter of that game Sunday. That officially erased David Tyree. Like, what kind of pixie dust is floating around in Boston's water right now? Not that... Not the discount pixie dust the Lions got during the regular season. I'm talking about the industrial shit. What, what's that that's floating around in Boston right now? To have that kind of a comeback in that kind of a game at that type of moment. Where now Tom Brady is sitting there as the only quarterback to win five Super Bowls. And there's one last thing before I start to head out of here. Because apparently, a lot of the youngsters and a lot of the hipsters seem to be just discovering the fact that Charles Haley won five Super Bowls. And they keep presenting it as if it's being covered up and nobody's talking about it because hashtag racism. No! Anybody over the age of 35 who's watched football already knew this. And clearly these are people who didn't watch much of the pregame shows because that little nugget of information was mentioned multiple times. That Charles Haley was walking around with five rings. I figured anybody who watched football knew that. But apparently, hipsters are running around acting like they just they just discovered it for the first time. I knew Charles Haley had won five Super Bowls. Hell, I watched him win all five. Tom Brady is the first quarterback to start and win five Super Bowls. He's the first quarterback to start seven of them. The Patriots have been to nine Super Bowls in their franchise's history. Brady has started the last seven. One five of them. Hate him all you want to. And there's a lot to dislike about him. But the dude is a monster. He's a monster. There ain't no ways around that. And big ups to Martellus Bennett and James White and a number of other New England Patriot black players who've decided to take a stand. And as for the Atlanta Falcons, those guys, like every NFL team, except for the Patriots basically, has these really 
goofy hashtags. Like the Lions have the corny ass one pride hashtag. Well, any and everyone you know from Atlanta who's a Falcon fan and everybody who just jumped on the Falcon bandwagon last week was hitting them with the hashtag rise up, rise up, rise up. Unfortunately for Atlanta when it mattered, they fell down really hard. And I don't know how the hell you recover from an L that massive. Good Lord. My name is J. Scott Smith telling you to take care of yourself. God bless. Always dare to be different. Always have your pet spayed or neutered. And we are out of here. I want to thank each and every one of you for supporting the first 30 original episodes of JSC Radio plus the special half episodes. There's going to be more of those coming down the line. And be sure to support the show at patreon.com slash JSC Radio. I'll see you next week. New England, New England, New England, New England, New England. Thanks for coming out. God bless you. Good night. Check it out. This is JSC Radio. on the news about that five-year-old who found his uncle's gun. The kid didn't know it was loaded. I heard on the news about that 14-year-old girl who was bullied online for like a year. She couldn't take it anymore, so she got her dad's gun from his nightstand. I heard on the news about that guy who broke into someone's house, stole a gun from the hall closet. He accidentally shot his cousin in the head. She killed herself. And later, killed the owner of the store he was trying to rob. If you own a gun, you have a full-time responsibility. When you aren't using it, be sure it can't get into the hands of curious children, troubled teenagers, a thief, or anyone else who might misuse it. Your family, friends, and neighbors are all counting on you. Remember, always lock it up. For more information on firearm storage safety, visit ncpc.org. This message brought to you by the National Crime Prevention Council, the Bureau of Justice Assistance, and the Ad Council.